All right, y'all. Uh, if you'll start finding your seats, we'll get started. Lost track of time because I was talking. Um, so we'll be ending early so you guys can hang out a little more. Um, hey, I'm Daryl. I'm the assistant pastor here at um, Midtown 12 South. Um, glad that you're here with us. Thankful. I'm always, uh, anytime we throw these deals, I'm always surprised if people show up. So <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for uh Grabbing pizza, there's, uh, there's still plenty back there. Uh, there's some more beer, I think, that we can load into that cooler if we need to. So if at any point you're like, hey, man, I'm thirsty, I want a beer, just get up and get one. Don't worry about manners or anything like that. Um, just help yourself. If, you know, if you're here and you're new, we got some, the restrooms are kind of through this door and then upstairs, about halfway down the hallway. Um, tons of new faces. And so we'll have, um, we'll have the opportunity tonight really to kind of break into some smaller groups uh, and discuss a little bit. So you should get a chance to, uh, to meet some folks. Um, just a couple things uh, by way of announcement. Uh, again, if you're new to us or are still checking us out, uh, we have a, uh, we do this once a month, typically on the first Tuesday of the month. This March was a little different. Uh, we did our uh, guys night last week, uh, which was a great time. Um, thanks, thanks for y'all that showed up to that. Uh, we did a girls' night just a couple weeks before that, uh, back in February, which was a blast. I wasn't there. I heard it was great. Um, and so uh, we'll do things like that, but typically we do these teaching nights, fellowship nights, uh, on the first Tuesday of each month. And then we're going to sprinkle in some uh, time to uh, really just get to know each other, like some social hangs and things like that. So if you are in our uh, group me group um, all that stuff is going to be thrown in there. I know group means like the Wild West, and it's nonsense, and you're probably on, it's probably on silent, which is fine. Um, we always throw that stuff up there, and then we try to make sure that you get all the information in an email, which is actually the better way to get information from us. Um, so if you're not on our email list, come find me. We'll get you added to that, um, and that way you can get kind of the information. Uh, we also have a team of folks who help put this together. I certainly don't do this alone, um, and, I'm, and certainly indebted to them. Um, and so Jackson Cooper's in the back. Uh, he's on that team. Raise his hand. Samantha and Sarah are over here. Um, David Delosier's back there. Uh, and then we have a bunch of accountants who aren't here because it's tax season. Uh, and they're nerds, so they're not here. Um, and so if you ever have any questions, even tonight, about things like that, you can see any of them, uh, and they can point you in the right direction. Uh, so let me pray for us, and then we'll get started on... Um, discussing our jobs. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, you are good to us. Uh, you're um, mighty to save. Uh, you are uh, the one whom our soul loves, uh, the one that we adore. Uh, and so tonight as we are here um, longing to be known, longing to be known by you, uh, longing to be known uh, by each other, um, would you be so kind as to allow that to happen? Would you be so kind to uh, let us see uh, work uh, and rest uh, through your eyes, uh, the gift that it is, the beauty of, uh, of what you have put into place? Uh, and so Jesus, be with us tonight uh, as we spend some time together. That's your name we pray. Amen. Um, so in, our, in our, our last few times together, um, as we've done these like once a month, we started with uh, what is it like? We always kind of do relating. So how do we relate to different areas of our life? Uh, we started with relating to kind of our parents, what does it look like? 
Um, and then we talked about relating to the Christian life, uh, being the Christian life being one of faith and repentance. Uh, we looked at relating to kind of the madness and the chaos of the holidays. Uh, we called them the holidays. So it wasn't like when you go home uh, knowing that it's different now that you're an adult. Um, and then, as I said, the last couple of times we, bro- we broke off in two uh, kind of same-sex groups. And tonight we come to um, really the topic that probably dominates your life um, and will probably dominate your life for the rest of your life. Um, and that is uh, your job. And what does it look like since, since our job is going to be such a part of who we are, um, what does it look like to then also have balance in that? And this is a lot of the conversations I have with you guys, like over coffee and over breakfast and, and lunch and things like that, is you're just swamped. Um, you're new in your careers. Uh, you've been in your career for 10 years. Uh, wherever you are kind of on that spectrum, uh, there has come this realization that you're not in college anymore. Um, and it's so much different. Uh, and so what does it even mean when we talk about uh, a healthy work-life balance? Uh, is it something that's even attainable? Is it something that we should even care about? Um, and I would argue that while the Bible is kind of silent on your job, uh, right, it doesn't tell you, hey, you're going to go be an engineer, um, it does have sort of general guidelines and general advice really for us um, but before we can dig into any of what does it look like to have this healthy work-life balance, we kind of have to look at the question beneath the question uh, that we're asking because we can actually see that the Bible answers that question for us. Uh, the question beneath the question is so much of who am I? Uh, what's my identity? Um, and does God care about me? Uh, does God really actually love me, and, and also, I so desperately need rest because my heart is busy. Uh, we see this all over the Gospels, story of Mary and Martha, if you're familiar with that story, uh, where Mary's sitting at, at Christ's feet and listening while Martha's like in the kitchen, and she gets mad, um, and Jesus rebukes her a little bit by telling her, hey, Mary's done what's right, um, and so we can know, like, hey, I'm sort of this driven, I'm type A, I love, I might even love my job, um, but it's so hard to find rest. It's hard to uh, know when to slow down, uh, especially in the age of, like, remote work from home, kind of don't really clock out, uh, knowledge work that most of us are engaged in. Um, I was a construction worker, a construction laborer for a long time, um, and I actually loved that job almost more uh, because I could, like, stop at 5 o'clock or when the sun went down. And then I didn't really, like, think about it until it was, like, 8 in the morning and then I had to go back. Um, so you kind of lose something in the hourly work and now find yourself uh, where you're being just inundated all the time, um, always being in communication. And so we have to ask ourselves, uh, what does, when, when the Bible talks about work and the Bible talks about rest, Um, we have to really look at two places. Uh, The first is in the book of Genesis, at the creation story in Genesis 1. And the second is in Luke 6, when Jesus is talking to his disciples. So we'll first start by looking at Genesis 1. If you have a Bible on your phone, if you could pull that up, um, you can get your phones out, that's okay. We're not in youth group anymore. Um, So Genesis 1, 
God is creating everything, uh, kind of the first you know, 14 or 15 verses. Uh, he makes the, the, he, the heavens and the earth, uh, the water, and all that good stuff. Uh, then he makes man. He blesses that. And um, if we look on at verse 31, um, God says this, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. Uh, then we get into chapter 2 where um, God is still, he gives us the story of like creating Adam and Eve. We kind of get like a poetic look at that. Um, and it tells us uh, in the book of Genesis that God rested. So he worked for six days. Um, he created something different every day. And then uh, he rests on the seventh day. So at the end of the six days, he looks, as we just read, he said it's very good. And then on the seventh day, he rested. So what this shows us is that work has been present from the beginning of the world. Uh, Adam and Eve were given jobs in the garden. They were told to cultivate the land, to keep it, to take care of it. Uh, they were told not to touch that one tree, and they did. Um, they were told to be fruitful and to multiply. And so work has become uh, is what we call a pre-fall mandate. So it's something that before sin entered the world, work was there, which means that work is not a curse. Uh, but what we see in Genesis 3, whenever Adam and Eve fall into sin, tempted by the serpent, they eat the fruit, um, is that of, of the things that are cursed at that moment, um, God looks at Adam and says, your work is not going to be hard. You're going to have thorns and thistles. It's going to kick back against you. Uh, so there's that curse. And then he tells Eve that her, she's going to long to have Adam's position. She's going to have pain in childbirth. And the serpent is cursed uh, by dragging his belly on the ground and told he's going to have his uh, head uh, kind of crushed in. And so as we look at what this means, we have to kind of realize that work has always been there. And so while our work is cursed, work is not a curse. And so we first have to really kind of change how we view work. Um, because when God set it up, and he, especially for Adam and Eve, when he told them, hey, we're going to, I want you to cultivate the garden. I want you to keep it. I want you to make it, he's telling them, I want you to make it look pretty. I want you to take care of it. Like, don't burn it down. Uh, don't blast it. Like, let's take care of this. Uh, let's bring a family into this. And um, he's essentially telling Adam and Eve, I want you to bring order beauty, life, and creativity to wherever you go. That when God's people are going forth, your, part of your job is to bring those four things with you, to bring order, life, beauty, and creativity into the chaos. Right? We see this in Genesis chapter 1. God's spirit is hovering over the waters. Uh, nothing has been made that was made. And so here's uh, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, which means that there's just utter chaos on the earth. And then God starts to speak. Hey, let there be light here. Let there be dark. Let's put some land here. Let's put some water here. Let's put some birds in the air. Let's put some fish in the sea. And he starts to bring order to all this chaos. And so as we look at our own jobs, that's part of why your job is hard, because you're in chaos. And that's okay to admit that your boss doesn't know what they're doing. Or if you're a boss, you don't know what you're doing. Um, and now I'm told or directed in Scripture 
that I'm to bring these things into it. So our first kind of small group discussion, how I just want this to work, we're not going to do large group discussions like this because they never work. I want you to just split up with like three or four people. Try to get folks you don't know, but if you're like introverted, that's cool, I guess. Um, But try to just break off three or four or five folks. um, And I want you to discuss this question. It starts with a statement. If God invented work as a blessing and not a curse... State to each other what your job is and in which ways that you are bringing order, beauty, life, and creativity to the workplace. So you don't want to say, hey, I'm Johnny, I'm an engineer, I do, I do it this way. Or I'm an artist, this is what I bring. So split up into groups, three or four or five of you, uh, try to th- throw some folks in that you don't know, um, and discuss those parts of that question. What is your job? And then how do you find yourself bringing order, beauty, life, and creativity? And we'll do this for about five minutes or six minutes or ten, however long I feel like going. Um, so do that. It's kind of split up. Order, beauty, life, creativity. All right, we'll bring it back together. Hopefully you had a chance to... Uh, Hopefully you had the chance to hear from uh, folks in your crew. We'll, we'll break up two more times, so save your voices. Um, but hopefully you got a chance to hear from folks in your crew um, what their jobs are. Um, Jack Hawkins, tell us what your job is, and then how do you bring all those things to life? I get a drink. Uh, I saw you. I thought you were leaving. So I'm a uh, digital product designer, so I help design help our developers make interfaces to help people. So a big thing is bringing um, creative problem-solving skills to people, but also <clears throat> really getting to know the people that is get, are going to be using this software is a huge part of it. So um, having a lot of empathy and bringing that to the creative problem-solving process I think is really important. Um, and what I find a lot of meaning in, I guess. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. Very good. This <laughs> little snaps there. Snaps, not claps. There you go. Lucy, what, uh, what about you? Question, are there faster paced people at work than you? Because that, <laughs> yes. I'm terrified of your job. <laughs> Got it. Great. Great. Uh, Seth Thomas, are you in here? What about you? I work in HR at a, an insurance software company. And so I basically try to make people happier at work every day. And just give them like more contentment, more fulfillment from their job. Great. 
What I hope that you came away with um, as you're all sharing is, one, you might have similar jobs to each other and not know it. Um, but two, you see that there are no, like, small jobs. Uh, there's no, as much as you might hate what you do, when we, when we kind of change the lens in which we look through and seeing, like, how can I bring what God has mandated, what God has gifted me with into my workplace, um, that you can see this more as a calling and less as something you just kind of have to do. Um, there is some aspect of that, right? You sort of just have to have a job because you have to live and you have to pay for gas prices. Um, and so you kind of have to have a job because you have to live, but also what does it look like to bring um, sort of a gospel lens into what we do? Um, because God has created work, but then we also see in Genesis chapter 2, if you could pull out your phone Bibles again, um, in Genesis 2, 1, uh, 1 through 3, um, Moses, who wrote Genesis, says this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. So everything was done being made. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Um, so sin hasn't entered the world yet, okay? That happens in chapter 3. Um, so we see uh, work being something we're, we're kind of commanded to do. So work um, is good and work is a blessing. And then we see that God rests. And so now we see that resting is actually a blessing. You already know this. Uh, but that resting is also a blessing. And so when we talk about work-life balance, it's actually already built into the universe. Six days God worked, he rested on the seventh. If we are to do, uh, imitate God, right, in all that we do, we would see that there are days that we work and there's a day that we rest. Um, and so what happens is that sin entered the world, Genesis chapter 3. Um, Adam and Eve fell, you know the story. Um, and they get scared, uh, their eyes are opened, they're hit with tons of shame, and then everything just kind of goes haywire. God's people are just off the rails. Um, and so as God is building this world and uh, starting to right the wrongs that, that humankind had done, he brings this guy named Moses um, who shows up in the book of Exodus. Um, God's people are enslaved to the Egyptians. Um, Moses is, is risen up, and you may, may know some things about Moses. He parted the Red Sea, lived in the desert, all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, and then we get to Exodus chapter 20, and we're given this list of Ten Commandments. These are 10 things that God says, hey, this is sort of the recipe for how humans are to flourish. Keep your eyes on this. Uh, pay attention to this. Do this, um, and, uh, and you'll live, right? Um, and of those 10, of that list of not to kill folks, not to commit adultery, not to covet, uh, to obey your father and mother, don't have any other gods before him, don't make any idols, um, don't lie, all those things, Kind of right in the middle, in four and five, um, when in five he tells us to obey our parents, in four, God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So think about this. We had perfection, six days, one day of rest. 
And now destruction has entered and God is reforming, reconstructing his nation. And one of the first of the 10 things that he commands them to do is to take a day off. And this is going to be a group question. Why would God have told them to take a day off? Who are our little theologians in the room? What was the state of God's people at the time? At the time of Exodus? Wilderness. What about before the wilderness? They were slaves. Which would have been what? They've been working a lot, right? Slaves don't typically get vacation, right? Uh, They had been enslaved for 400 years. 400 years. America hasn't been a country for 400 years. For 400 years, they were enslaved, and God comes to them and he says, one way that I want you to worship me and one way I want you to show the world that you're different is I want you to take a day off, which is a huge gift. And so when we think of our own, this is, my, this is where your shame is going crazy right now, right? Is because we look at our own life and we think, I actually don't rest very well. I get days off, right, Saturday and Sunday, but all my friends are getting married, so I have to drive to their stupid weddings. Um, I got 20 of those a year, right? It's, it's not restful. I have to do laundry. I have to go to the grocery store. Um, but here is God saying, take a day off. And I want you on this day off not to pursue work. I want you to pursue me. Um, all right, this is why church, like we do church on Sunday, right? Um, but what Jesus, uh, what God, what the Godhead are wanting us to see is that it's important to rest because that actually points back to Genesis 2 where it tells us God rested from his work. So here's why I want you to be theologians again. And it's okay if you're wrong. That's fine. God's watching. Um, If God rested, does that mean God was tired? It's a leading question. We said no right here. Why no? Did you say it, Gracie? It's a spiritual rest. It was also a physical rest, right? And so if he wasn't tired, you're, you're, you're not wrong, right? Excellent answer, Gracie. Um, that's why you're a good youth leader. Um, if God rested and he wasn't tired, then why did he rest? What's up, man? Everybody just looked at you. <laughs> um, why would he have rested if he wasn't tired? To model it for us. Ooh, that's good. To observe his work. Ooh, we're getting real close now. Circling the drain here. He's observing his work. Modeled it for us. Say it again. To enjoy creation. Oh, man, we're getting so close, Austin. We're getting so close. The word starts with an S and ends in satisfaction. Right, Jesus, or God, when he created the world, he rested because he was satisfied. We rest when we get tired. We don't often rest because we're satisfied with our work. Because there's always something else to do, right? Ali Quattlebaum knows this. 
These emails are going to keep coming. Somebody's going to need some graphics. Probably Daryl. These, they're going to keep coming. I can't rest. I can't close my computer. I, it's hard to close the laptop. Here's what I want for your second small group discussion to be. If we're supposed to rest, that means that part of our life is to be avocational. So it means there is part of our life that has nothing to do with our job. Hopefully. Which means that we can pursue different activities that don't have anything to do with HR insurance. Uh, please, Seth, tell me you do other things <laughs> than just that. Um, I want you to break into your groups, talk about this. What activities do you pursue for rest? Which sounds like contradictory, right? Uh, but what do you do to pursue rest? And what about these activities actually renews and regenerates your heart? If God is looking at what he did and he loved it and he modeled it for us and he's satisfied with it, when you rest, what do you look for for satisfaction to renew and regenerate your heart? Talk about that for as long as I, you want to. It's fine. Nobody's in charge here. I'll break you up in a second. All right, let's bring him back together. Bring him back in. Hopefully, uh, as you guys were talking, you may have heard someone who's interested in the same things you are, uh, and then y'all could hang out and go do those things together. Um, unless it's weird, don't do that. Um, so in our discussion, uh, Tia, tell me what uh, you came up with. Yeah, yeah. Or lie, either way. Yeah, I'll lie. Yeah, sure. Totally but, no, like uh, walking or running, I think, is a good, like, even just at the end of the day, just like a reset to where you can only be, like, doing one monotonous thing. And so, like, you can have time to think or pray or just, like, do nothing. It's just a good reset. Yeah, beautiful. Love it. Uh, Jackson, what about you? Uh, we have a lot of people that like to be active, uh, like to get outside, enjoy the front porch. Literally anything but doing our job. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we Perfect. Perfect. How does the front porch renew you? Front porch guy. Um, I don't know. I just like sitting outside and like drinking coffee and just being still. I think there's something about stillness is really restful. Yeah. Stillness is huge. I'm afraid of it. That's great. Good job. Um, so we are seeing, hopefully, all of you had an answer to that. Um, if you didn't, hopefully you are spurred to think about how you do this. Um, because what we see is that you, even in just having that discussion, realize you're made for something else that's not your job. Um, that your job is there, but there's also this part of you that says, I also like to pursue creativity and regeneration and renewal in this part of my life. Spending time with the Lord, sitting on the front porch, going for a run, playing golf, uh, whatever those things might be. Um, God is looking at those things and saying, I made those two and those things are good. Um, and so when we get to the New Testament, um, Jesus encounters these Pharisees in uh, the book of Luke chapter 6. Um, and in Luke 6, uh, Jesus and his disciples are walking through a field of grain, 
and the disciples are plucking the heads off of the grain and they're eating them. Um, and these Pharisees are watching them do this and then they get pissed because that's what the Pharisees do. And so they get mad at the disciples because they're saying, look at his disciples who are working on the Sabbath day, like they're plucking grain and you can't do that. Like that's not allowed. Um, and Jesus looks at them and says, they're hungry. So we have to let them eat. Because uh, there's another kind of parallel passage in the book of Mark uh, where Jesus says, if, you're, uh, if your animals are thirsty, do you not take them and give them water? Um, that these guys who are walking through this field are eating and they're trying to get full because they're hungry. And the Pharisees are looking at that and saying, you're actually breaking the law. See, Jesus, who you claim to be son of God, claim to be the one who wrote the law, you're actually breaking it. And Jesus looks at them and says that Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. So this is where the Pharisees had gotten it wrong. They looked at the Sabbath commandment in the book of Exodus and said, we're actually going to add to this to make sure that we don't break it. Um, there's sort of extra biblical accounts of Pharisees having limits on how many steps you could take in a day. Um, there's uh, the field, like the grain plucking incident. Uh, you could feed your family, but you couldn't like feed somebody else. Um, we see this all over scripture where they're mad at Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath day. Um, and Jesus looks at them and responds to them and says, I'm not doing away with the Sabbath because I want you to keep it, but I want you to understand um, that it doesn't rule you, man rules it. Um, and so ultimately what we see and what Jesus is trying to get the Pharisees to see and what he wants the disciples to know and then us kind of by proxy as we read it is that Jesus is actually to be our Sabbath rest. So in the book of Hebrews in chapter four, it talks about this a lot. Um, that they entered into their eternal rest. They entered into his rest. Um, and what that means for us is this. It's, it's, there's a presupposition here. It's that you're busy. And that your busyness is going to be um, what actually keeps you from the Sabbath. Um, the Pharisees, it was law, but they had busy hearts. Uh, for us, it's just being busy in life. Um, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be our job. I made the joke about weddings earlier because you guys travel a ton for those. Um, that you get back from a weekend and weddings are the best. Um, but you come back and you're still just exhausted. Um, and you're like, man, I just wish I could have another day so I could rest. Um, we understand that even the good things in our life can bring busyness with them, which then kind of throws us off. The Bible calls this idolatry, Right? Idols are never bad things until we make them idols. Um, it's always something good that we love that we look at and say, you actually define me now, not the Lord of the Sabbath. Um, and so this is where our work-life balance gets wonky. Um, part of it is that it's new. and We just don't understand it. We're trying to get our bearings. We're new at our jobs, that kind of stuff. But there's also a part of it that says when... God cursed uh, Adam's work and said there's going to be thorns and thistles. It's going to be hard for you. One thing within those thorns and thistles is that it's going to be very tempting for your job to define you. 
Um, and we don't make this any easier because we say, hey, nice to meet you. What do you do? Um, it's sort of... Um, it's, an, it's, it's sort of kind of an American thing, but it's, it's, it's kind of just being a human. Um, that we need categories to think of other people, and we need categories for people to think about us. And so uh, when we look at our jobs, we can be very tempted to be defined by them, um, especially in Nashville. Uh, this city kind of is dripping with it. Um, good things that are now brought in um, and, really, and then really made to define us um, to kind of justify our existence. Uh, what did we get done today? Um, because the work beneath the work that we're always doing is that we want something to justify us. We need something to come in and say, you have value. And it's so easy to do that with our job because we literally have value, right? It pays us. Um, you can perform really well. You get applauded for that. That feels real nice. Um, and so when we look at where work and life and uh, rest and all that kind of gets screwy is whenever we look at our job uh, and let it define us. So this last question for your little small groups is where we have to get vulnerable with each other, right? I want you to answer this question. How are, you, how are you tempted to allow your work to define you? So talk about that with each other. This will be much shorter, I'm sure. How are you tempted to allow your work to define you? Talk about that for five minutes. Let's go ahead and bring it back in, bring it back together. What I hope you heard uh, in your time there and I won't call on anybody in this one. I'll save you the shame. Um, but I hope you heard in that exchange in your little groups there uh, was that no one, if they're honest, would have said, I don't struggle with this, right? Um, we hope that you would have heard uh, that we are all at uh, this spot where it's easy to let our jobs define who we are. We're so easily defined by what we do uh, because we know that deep, deep down, we believe that that's how we're made just. We believe that if it's, like, if it's to be, it's up to me. If it's to be, then I have to do this. I can't rely on anyone else. Um, and this is where the gospel comes in and says, it's actually a lot worse than you think it is. Um, because as bad as you think you are, the gospel comes in and says, cheer up, because it's worse than that. Um, the gospel comes in, Jesus comes in, and he says to you, you can't do this on your own. Because what's going to happen is when your job lets you down, that's what idols do, right? They, uh, and the psalmist says, the idols have eyes but can't see, and ears but can't hear, and mouths but can't speak. And then we become like what we worship. We become blind to the ways of the world. Um, we become blind to the things of God. We become deaf to the things of God. Um, and then we're in this position where we can't even speak the goodness of God. Um, and it happens so fast, and you don't even realize it. Um, and so if that's what idolatry does to us, then 
the gospel comes in and says, here's how we undo all of that. And it's going to sound trite, and you, probably, and you may have wanted to show up with a list for me to give you a list of 10 things to do to make your work-life balance better. I'm not going to give you that because I don't know it. What I do know is this, that Jesus was tempted the same way. Jesus the carpenter was tempted in the exact same way. We see this in the book of Hebrews. Jesus comes in. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it is, but he says this. This is what he tells us to do with that shame that you're feeling about your job. He says this. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, our confession of that Jesus being the Son of God. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet was without sin. Let us then, without, let us then rather with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What the writer of Hebrew is saying here, what you need to know before you leave is that you are gonna blow it. Your job's gonna let you down you're going to let your boss down. Um, and the question that we have to ask ourselves is now, where do we turn when our work-life balance gets thrown into disarray? How do we get back on track? Because the temptation is going to be, I need to work really hard and get a good calendar app um, and then like get a good away message on my email. And if I set all those things up, then I won't think about this. But Scripture and the Bible tells us None of those things are going to work. What only is going to work is to have our minds set on Jesus and say to him, Jesus, I've blown it. I might get fired. And then for us to realize that even if you do get fired, you still can't lose your position in him. Um, we see this in the Old Testament. There's a story, if you ever watch VeggieTales, you know this of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak and Benny. Um, they're thrown into the furnace, um, and uh, King, King Nezi, Nebuchadnezzar, um, is ordering them, hey, bow down and worship me, or we're going to throw you in this fire. And do you remember what Rakshak and Benny said to Nebuchadnezzar? It's okay if you don't remember. It's a little obscure. They said this. We believe that God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow to you. What Rakshak and Benny are saying there is even if God doesn't come through, we know that what you have is not better than what he has. Worst case scenario, Paul says this all the time, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Worst case scenario for Paul is that he lives says that death is gain. Rakshak and Benny said, go ahead and throw us in that fire. It doesn't matter. And so when we look at our jobs and how we, are, we can idolize those, how they can, they can um, be so great. There's so much great work that y'all are doing. I'm like jealous that I couldn't hear all your conversations of how you bring beauty and order and creativity and life to your job because there's so much great work that you're doing. 
um, which means the temptation is going to be there to give it more weight than it deserves. And because that temptation is there, it also means that Jesus is there. And so when we do, Jesus is saying, here's why you're sad. Here's why you're feeling shame. Here's why work is hard. Um, because I long to be with you. And you're lonely for me. And we can look at that and say, man, my heart needs to hear from Jesus. Um, because think of this, like how crazy it is when we think about our relationship with Jesus. One, it's just crazy to think about that anyway. But two, um, it's crazy to think that Jesus, who wants to put us in front of his love all the time, right? We're always on the path of oncoming beauty every time we take a breath. And then we look at our job and say, this is actually better. I do this all the time. Ministry might be worse. I kind of hate it sometimes. That's why I want heaven to come because there won't be pastors and I don't have to be one anymore. Uh, like I was going to be a farmer or something. Um, because we look and see um, all that Christ offers us and then our hearts are always choosing something else. And then Jesus is always saying, but I'm still choosing you. You want to know how to figure out work-life balance? It's this. You're not going to figure it out. What we can figure out is that we know that the one who made the universe, the one who invented work, says that we're more important than our job and that we're not defined by that. And so um, hopefully that's helpful for you. Um, hopefully you can see as you go home um, before you go to sleep and all that tonight um, that Jesus is crazy about you. And it doesn't matter necessarily that we forget that because he's still crazy about us. Um, could we be um, scandalous enough in our faith to believe uh, that Jesus loves us when we screw up? And not just once, right? We don't just pray that prayer or walk the aisle if you went to the Baptist church like I did. Um, it's, not that, it's not a one-time deal. Salvation is, right? Salvation is definitive. Your justification is definitive. Um, but we're always repenting and we're always being met with grace because we're always sinning and we need it. Um, so let me pray for us and I'll have like just a couple of really quick things to tell you uh, and then we'll get you home hopefully in time. Uh, Jesus, we, uh, we don't know why you gave us the jobs that you gave us to do. Um, we question sometimes why we're even gifted um, in that. As we'll talk about next month, we wonder, do I really believe that I'm this? That if people really knew who we were, um, that they would run away from us? Lord, we know that some of us, most of us, probably all of us, would say we actually don't know what we're doing in our jobs. Uh, but for some reason, you've gifted us, you've given them to us, and so we trust you with those. I uh, said, so Jesus, would you grant us rest, grant us mercy and grace, be mercy for us, be grace for us, be rest for us. Um, and Lord, give us double, triple, quadruple mercy when we forget. Uh, and let us receive and rest in you alone uh, for salvation, for identity, uh, for our jobs. Uh, we will leave here rejoicing because you've done it. Uh, it's your name I pray. Amen. Uh, just a couple of things real quick. If you're here and you're not in uh, a Midtown small group, Midtown group, 
um, and long to be in one. If you're a boy and you want to be in one, Seth Thomas, are you still here? Seth Thomas needs a ton of dudes in his group. Seth's in a great spot where he's the only boy in a group full of girls. Um, but he also probably wants some other dudes in his group. So if you're here and you're not in a group, go see Seth. Uh, he would love to have you. If you're a girl and you want to be a group, come and find me. Um, I'll show you how to get in touch with uh, Lisa Harrison, who will kind of assign you to one of those. Um, so if you want to be in a group, um, please do that. Um, we'll be back here next month. I think it's April 5th. Uh, so whatever that first Tuesday of April is. Um, and sort of a similar setup. We're going to talk about... Um, the imposter syndrome, what does it look like to relate to that part of us that thinks that we aren't who we really are? Um, it'll be great and terrible, but, um, but great mostly. Uh, and so if you have any questions about any of that, small groups, anything we talked about, how to get more involved here. If you're not on our, again, on our mailers uh, email list, come find me. I'll give you this. You can scan it and get on there real quick. Um, and then I think there's like a bunch of food back there. So please take it. Like, don't be shy. Like, take as much, just shove pizza in every pocket you have. Um, there's beer back there. Shove beer in every pocket you have. Like, I don't care. Just don't drink it on the way home. Um, there's snacks. Take all that stuff. You can hang out. I'm going to shut us down at about 845, uh, but you're welcome to hang out as long uh, up until that very second. So thanks, y'all. Uh, really appreciate it.